Well, today we are continuing uh, the sermon series that we kicked off a couple of weeks ago called The Rise and Fall of Solomon. We're looking at the story of King Solomon, which we find in the first 11 chapters of 1 Kings. And today, in chapters 3 and 4, we see the wisdom of Solomon. So far, we've seen the the rise of Solomon to the throne of Israel, chapter 1. We've seen his rule established over the uh, people of Israel last week in chapter 2. And today, we see the character of his rule, the type of king he is going to be. We see that he is a king with great wisdom. Now, we all need wisdom, don't we? Because life is complicated. Life is not simple or easy. In fact, I heard a a story recently, and I know some of you have heard this story already because Simon Manchester shared it earlier this year at our men's conference, but I want to share it with you again. There's a group of police cadets sitting an exam. And there's a question on that exam that says you're driving in your police car and you come across the scene of a huge accident. Eight cars have smashed into one another. One of those cars has gone through a shop window and people have begun to loot and to steal. Another car has hit a fire hydrant and water is pouring into the air. A young boy has just grabbed the handbag of an older lady and he's running away up the street. A large dog has just bitten a small child. And you can see on the third floor of a nearby building that a fire has broken out and it's beginning to spread. The question is, what is your first course of action? To which one of the students writes down, carefully remove uniform and mingle with crowd. Here's the point. Life is complicated. And we don't always know what to do. If I was to ask for a show of hands, and I'm not, but if I was to ask for a show of hands, have you faced something recently where where you came to a fork in the road? Where you weren't sure what decision to make, what, what way to go, where you should go and what you should do? I'm fairly confident that almost every hand would go up. Life is not simple and it's not easy. And if we are going to navigate life well, In all of its complexity, in all of its difficulty, we're going to need wisdom and lots of it. Now the question is, where do we get it? How do we find wisdom? The the challenge for us, perhaps in our day especially, is what I heard one pastor say this week. That we have lots of information, but very little wisdom. We have lots of data, but not much clarity. We have lots of distractions but very little reflection. We have lots of opinions, but very little listening. In other words, we have endless information at our fingertips. The answers to your questions are just a swipe and a tap away. But all of this information, all of this data, all of this entertainment doesn't seem to be leading us down the path of wisdom. And so where do we find wisdom? How do we get it? This is what the story in 1 Kings chapter 3 and 4 is all about. The great wisdom of King Solomon. And if you have your Bibles open there in front of you at 1 Kings 3 and 4, I mean, you can see this fairly clearly. Chapter 3 begins with Solomon's request for wisdom. Then in the middle, you have a little example of Solomon's wisdom. And then at the end of chapter 4, you have a description of Solomon's great wisdom. 
And even the sections around these main bits that, that seem a little bit random, they are actually showing us, like the, the list of Solomon's officials at the start of chapter 4, the list of all the food that was in Israel that follows it, these seemingly random sections are showing us that life under King Solomon, it was well-ordered, well-governed, and prosperous. Why? Because King Solomon ruled with great wisdom. This is the point of chapters 3 and 4. But for the sake of time, what we're going to do today is we're going to focus our attention on chapter 3. And what we're going to see is two simple but powerful truths emerge. Number one, we desperately need wisdom. And number two, God generously gives wisdom. So let's begin with number one. We desperately need wisdom. Now, I've already suggested that we need wisdom because life is complicated. But the truth is, we also need wisdom because we are complicated. Have you ever done something or said something and you thought to yourself, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Or have you ever wondered to yourself, why am I feeling this way? We are complex, aren't we? We don't neatly fit into the categories of good or bad, as much as we might like this to be the case. In fact, my five-year-old son will often ask me if we're watching a movie or if we're reading a book, he'll say, hey, Dad, is such and such a nicey or a baddie? In other words, are they a good guy or a bad guy? Now, it's common for kids to ask this question. They're trying to make sense of the world, but it's common for us to ask this question as well. But the fact is, we're just not that neat or simple. We're complex and complicated. It's a bit like the soundtrack in movies. You know, when the bad guys are on the screen, the music is dark and ominous and foreboding. But when the good guys are on the screen, the music is light and airy and triumphant. Well, if the Bible, and particularly this chapter in 1 Kings chapter 3, if it had a soundtrack, it would have both types of music. It would have dark and ominous music, and it would have light and triumphant music. But here's the kicker. Not for different characters, for the same person. Look at what we're told about Solomon in verses 1 and 3. This is 1, 2, 3. It paints a very interesting, very complex picture. Verse 3 tells us, firstly, that Solomon loved the Lord. He walked with God. He obeyed God. He had a genuine and sincere love for the Lord. The music here is, is triumphant. But that's not all that we're told. Verse 1 also tells us that Solomon gets married. Now, it's fairly unremarkable news on the surface, but this marriage is particularly noteworthy because it was to the daughter of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now, at one level, this could be a good thing. It could be a sign of Solomon's power and prestige that he's able to make an alliance with a superpower like Egypt. But in the Bible, anytime Egypt is mentioned, it's rarely good. And this is a dark and ominous shadow. Some, some dark and foreboding notes are beginning to play. Because God's law had specifically forbidden his people from getting married to foreigners. Not because foreigners were inferior, but because they worshipped different gods. There was the danger of pulling this person away from Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. The issue was not ethnicity, but spirituality. And by the way, the New Testament gives us the same picture. Seems to clearly suggest that believers should not marry unbelievers. 
for the same reason, that you might be pulled away from God. And sure enough, for Solomon, his marriage to Pharaoh's daughter, it's the beginning of a dark journey down the path of idolatry. In fact, when we get to the end of of chapter 11, this king who we're once told loved the Lord, we're now told that he loved many foreign women. But Solomon's issue was not only women, there was also an issue with his worship. Verse 2 and 3 tells us that Solomon was making sacrifices at the high places. Now, these high places were sacred sites, usually on high ground, funnily enough, where idols and false gods would be worshipped. Now, it could simply be that Solomon and the people were worshipping there because the temple had not yet been built. We'll get to the temple next week. But again, God's law had forbidden God's people from using these high places in their worship. It's another dark note being played in the soundtrack of Solomon's life. And so even in just these first few verses, we hear both triumphant music and ominous music. We see a glimpse of both good and bad, right and wrong, nobility and fragility, obedience and rebellion. Now, why does this matter? Because Solomon is just like us. Every person in the Bible, outside the Lord Jesus, every person in the Bible is a mixture of good and bad. Every person in the Bible is inconsistent. Abraham, the great father of faith, was inconsistent. Moses, the great leader of God's people, was inconsistent. David, the great king of Israel, was inconsistent. And now even Solomon, we find out, is inconsistent. And so are you, and so am I. And to suggest otherwise would be naive. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we do the right thing. Sometimes we say what we should. Other times we get it spectacularly wrong. We are capable of great good and great evil. Here's the way C.S. Lewis put it in Prince Caspian, which is one of the, the Narnia novels. Aslan, the great king of Narnia, says to Prince Caspian, you come of the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve. Listen to this. And that is both honor enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. It's not that some of us do great things while others of us do terrible things. It's that all of us do both things. And this is true even after we've become Christians. Even after we've put our trust in Christ, received God's forgiveness, received God's spirit, been brought into God's family, we still continue to wrestle with what the Bible calls our flesh, which is not like our skin and bones, it's not our physical body, it's our sinful nature. It's our tendency to sin. It's our bentness towards self and away from God. And this is why the Bible tells us again and again and again to put to death the deeds of the body, Romans 8. To put to death what is earthly in you, Colossians 3. To put off your old self, Ephesians 4. To not let sin reign in your mortal body, Romans 6. To make no provision for the flesh, Romans 13. To lay aside the sin which clings so closely, Hebrews 12. To fight the good fight of faith, 
1 Timothy 6. To put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6. To walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5. To walk as children of the light, Ephesians 5. And on and on we could go. The point is that you cannot just coast in the Christian life. That we can't just run on autopilot. That we don't just trust Jesus at some time in the past and then live however we want until he returns. We trust Jesus and every single day when we get up, we keep trusting Jesus until he returns or we go home. And if we don't engage in the fight of faith, then we might just float away or be taken out. Now, the good news is that we have plenty of resources in this battle. God's promises to us, God's spirit in us, God's people around us, God's word with us. And what we see in this chapter is that we also need God's wisdom to guide us. We are complex people living in a complicated world and we desperately need God's wisdom to help us, to lead us, to guide us. And the good news, which is the second truth that we see in this chapter, is that God generously gives wisdom. Now imagine that God said to you, ask for anything that you want and I'll give it to you. Anything at all, it's yours. What would you ask for? Well, Solomon had this very thing happen to him. God appears to Solomon in a dream and says to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, amazingly, Solomon doesn't say, I want a Lamborghini or I want to own the Jerusalem football club or I want a a, a castle in the Scottish Highlands which has a huge library and is located next to a distillery Or, or maybe I'm just projecting my wishes onto Solomon. The point is that Solomon does not ask for anything selfish. He didn't ask for long life or riches or revenge. Instead, after he acknowledges God's faithfulness in verse 6, after he acknowledges his weakness in verse 7, after he acknowledges the greatness of his task in verse 8, he asks God for wisdom in verse 9. He asks for, for a discerning heart. Literally, this means a listening heart or a hearing heart. Now, what does this tell us? Firstly, it tells us that Solomon understood the resources he needed to navigate this life listen to this, it would not come from within himself. It would come from outside himself. It was something that he needed to hear, that he needed to listen to. And this is why later in the book of Proverbs, which is like the distillation of Solomon's wisdom, he says this, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins with bowing before God. Wisdom begins with listening to God, with hearing God, with obeying God, with knowing God. This is where wisdom begins. A listening, a hearing heart. But secondly, that word heart is also important. Solomon says, give me a hearing heart. Now, when we think heart, we think emotions. We think our heart is simply where we feel things. But in the Bible, the heart is so much more. The heart is the center of everything. 
Solomon is saying, I want the ability to hear and to know and to apply God's word and God's truth and God's will to every situation I face in life, to every area of my life. This is effectively what wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to apply God's truth to every situation you face in life, even or perhaps especially when the rules don't apply. Let me say that again. Wisdom is the ability to apply God's truth to every situation you face in life, even or perhaps especially when the rules don't apply. J.D. Greer says it this way. He says, to be wise is to have your thoughts trained in a God-shaped view of the world so that you know what God wants even before you know what he says. Let me illustrate it this way. There are some times in life when it's obvious what you should do. When, when you know clearly what God says about a situation. So for example, if you get a job off, offer from Telstra and from the mafia, it should be pretty obvious which job you should take. If you get a job offer from Telstra and from Optus, well, maybe at the moment it might be clear, but let's leave that to the side. You might need to use some wisdom to decide what to do. There's no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt work for Telstra. You need wisdom to make a decision. And of course, there are countless other examples. Tim Tim Keller gives an example related to marriage. He says, there will be times when when a Christian husband or wife comes to see me and they've discovered that their spouse has been unfaithful to them. They've had an affair or multiple affairs and they sit down before me and say, well, what does the law of God say? Should I divorce my spouse or should I stay? And and Tim says, well, what do I have to say to them? What what should I say to them? He says, when I look at them, I have to say, well, you have a right to stay or to leave. The Bible doesn't say that you have to stay, Matthew 5. But it doesn't say that you have to leave either. You have to decide for yourself whether you're going to restore the marriage or whether you're going to leave. The person might say to him, does that mean that there's no right answer? And Tim says, oh, no, no, there's a right answer. There's a wise answer and there's a foolish answer. But instead of relying on the rules, you're going to have to rely on your wisdom. You're going to have to examine your heart and your spouse's heart. You're going to have to get wise counsel. You're going to have to pray and exercise wisdom. Because there are plenty of times in life, there are plenty of situations in life when the rules won't apply. And we need wisdom. And this is exactly what happens for Solomon. See, after he asks God for wisdom and God is pleased with that request and God gives him even more than he asked for, we're then given an example of Solomon's wisdom at work. Solomon faces a situation where there are no rules and it's not obvious what he should do. There's this famous story in verses 16 to 28 about two prostitutes and two babies. And I say it's a famous story because I remember a number of years ago when I was working for an accounting firm in the city and I was in external audit and we were all out at the client one day. The whole team was there, including the partner. And we were kind of talking about a difficult problem that we were facing and it wasn't obvious what we should do in this situation. And the partner started to describe this story from 1 Kings. She started to share the details and at the end she said, I'm not exactly sure where it's from, but I think that's how it goes. Now, at this stage, I was the grad. I'm like the bottom of the food chain. But I'm like, I know that story. 
And, and so I pipe up and I say, well, it's actually from the Bible. It's a story about King Solomon. And, and she seemed to remember that and she seemed grateful and we, we kind of moved on. It's a well-known story. Now, I was going to read it out to you, but let me just summarize it for you. There's two prostitutes and, and they have two babies, one each. But one morning, one of the, the prostitutes wakes up and her baby is dead. She's heartbroken. She begins to grieve. But then she looks at the other woman and she says, hang on a minute. This isn't my baby. That's my baby. And the other woman says, no, 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 you, you, you've got it wrong. This is my baby. That's your baby. And they begin to argue back and forth. And, and they go before King Solomon and they continue to argue. She took my baby during the night. Her baby must have died. And, and she's come over and swapped the babies. And now she's got my baby. Back and forth they go, it's my baby, no, it's my baby, no, it's my baby. It's a tragic story. And you feel for these two women, and you feel for Solomon. I mean, what's he going to do? How, how do you resolve this? Both stories seem plausible. There's no witnesses. There's no CCTV cameras. There's no photos on Facebook. They say, you know, this, this is me, a photo of me with my baby. It's the word of one woman against the other. What's he going to do? What would you do? What would I do? Well, I probably wouldn't do what Solomon does. He asks for a sword. Now, at this point, if everyone was getting a bit nervous, they were flat out appalled when Solomon says, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. It's cold, it's calculating, it's cruel, but of course, Solomon never really intended for it to be carried out. Solomon didn't want to harm the baby. He wanted to expose the hearts of the women. He wanted to reveal their true motivation, which is exactly what happens. Verse 26, the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. The real mother will do anything to save her child, even giving it up to her rival verse 26 the second half but the other said neither I nor you shall have him cut him in two the other woman doesn't really care if the baby dies if she can't have her son then no one would have any son at all and she says to Solomon go ahead and of course now Solomon has his answer verse 27 then the king gave his ruling give the living baby to the first woman do not kill him she is his mother it's a brilliant solution. There's no witnesses, there's no rules, there's no guidelines, but using the gift of his God-given wisdom, Solomon comes to the right decision. And it leads to awe among the people of God. And, and this wisdom of Solomon actually comes to characterize his reign. We heard that in the reading at the, from the end of chapter 4. Solomon becomes the wisest man in the world. People from all over the earth come to see and to hear and to witness the greatness of Solomon's wisdom. And you might say to me, well, well, that's great for Solomon. I'm glad he was able to walk in such wisdom. But what about me? I could use some wisdom. I face situations in life where it's not clear what I should do. I need some wisdom. And even though we're not a king like Solomon, even though we're not in a position like Solomon, we do approach the same God as Solomon. This is what the New Testament says in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who does what? Who gives generously to all 
without finding fault. And listen to this, and it will be given to you. God generously gives wisdom. He gave it to Solomon, and he gives it to you and I, and all we need to do is ask. So let me ask you, what about you? Do you prize wisdom? Are you pursuing wisdom? Have you asked for wisdom? Are you growing in wisdom? You know, you can grow older without growing wiser necessarily. We need to ask God for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 says, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. Now, now what does this look like practically? Well, it might just begin with you asking God. Lord, would you make me wise? Would you give me wisdom? It might be just reading a few Proverbs each day. You know, when I think about a wise person, I think about Jim Duchman. He's been part of our church for a long time. He's a wise man. He's a godly man. And he once told me, I'm not sure if it's still true because this was a while ago, but he once told me that he begins every day by reading from the book of Proverbs. If you do that over the course of your life, you will grow wise, slowly but surely. Now, let's say that you do prize wisdom and you do pursue wisdom. What about those times when you inevitably fall short? What about those times when you fail to act wisely? When you make foolish decisions? When you say foolish things? When you go to foolish places? When you click on foolish links? What do you do then? Where do you turn? And the answer is that you turn to the truly wise king. See, Solomon would ultimately fail and fall short. He will eventually shipwreck his life and his kingship. He will make foolish decisions and act foolishly. Not even the wisest man in the world could save himself from the power and corruption of sin. And so Solomon needed what we all need. We need rescue. We need saving. We need a king who is not a fool to save fools like us from the foolishness of our sin and our foolish selves. And this is precisely what we have in Jesus. Because Jesus is not just a wise teacher. He's not just a guru with some wise sayings. The Bible says that Jesus is the wisdom of God. That in him... All are hidden, all the treasures of wisdom. Everything you could need to know, everything you could need to have, it's found in Jesus and only in Jesus. If you want true wisdom, if you want to navigate life safely and sanely, you must turn to Jesus and trust Jesus. Why? Because when we act foolishly and inconsistently, when we make foolish decisions, when we go to foolish places, when we click on foolish links, we don't just need a lesson or a lecture. We need forgiveness. We need cleansing. And this is exactly what Jesus has purchased for us on the cross. The death of Jesus on the cross, it seems ridiculous to most people. The Bible says it is foolishness to the world, but it is infinitely precious to those of us who believe. Because on the cross... In the death of Jesus, the, the justice of God is satisfied. The penalty of our sin and our evil and our foolishness is paid for. The justice of God is satisfied and the love of God is displayed. Because the penalty is not paid by the fools, you and I. 
that it's paid by the only truly wise king, the Lord Jesus. And the wisdom of God is seen because it's the perfect solution and it's the ultimate gift. Eternal life and forgiveness of sins is given to those who believe. Do you want to be wise? Give yourself to Jesus Christ. His supreme wisdom and His saving grace is available to us freely. And all we have to do is ask. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your Son, the Lord Jesus, is the one we truly and desperately need. Thank you that he is the truly wise King, the one in whom we find everything we could ever hope for or need. And so Lord, help us to give ourselves to him totally, to receive his supreme wisdom and his saving grace. And thank you that you have not placed it high up where we can't reach it, but you have placed it down low. Where when we humble ourselves, when we repent, when we bend our knees, when we bow before you, you lift our heads, you bring us near, and you give us all that we could ever want, need, or imagine. Lord, let us not turn away from this indescribable gift. And we pray this in Jesus' name.